Good evening. Good evening. Oh my, it's hard to believe it's already here. Uh, actually, one of my boys said on the way here, he said, wow, this week flew by. Um, I uh, want to take this time to thank all of you for your welcome to us. I'm going to have to admit... I don't care if you're a preacher or not, going into a totally uh, strange church, my knees were knocking, I'm going to admit to you. Um, In fact, I just about wanted to call in sick to Dennis, and I got a confession to make. Thank you. Uh, When uh, several, about a month or two ago, I told my wife, I don't know if we're going to ever do this for vacation again. Well, I'll tell you what, never dreamt that uh, we would be blessed way more than a vacation on and anywhere. Um, you all have been a blessing to us. It's good to see faithful people other places. Thanks to all of you who have invited us to your places, um, all of you who have cooked real good food. Um, we've had privilege to be in the new, some of the newlywed places. I'm going to say you fellas are going to have to probably watch it like I have to. Don't look like I watch it, but you all probably get pretty healthy. Um, you all got good cooks here. And so you all have, uh, again, been an encouragement. And uh, and uh, also thank Dennis's for putting up with us. Um, I'll tell you what. We had a bucket list. I think we pretty much ticked it all off because I... Secretly hoping we get to stay with Dennis. I kind of knew them, but I feel like we've um, struck up a, a strength in a friendship. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's good for a, a young pastor to talk to those who are experienced and to get some input from them. And uh, I tell you, it, it does a lot. And so I want to encourage you all. Um, keep your church life alive. I don't know um, the struggles here. That's one thing I never wanted to know. Never asked Dennis. Um, I like to just come in and preach the word and uh, whatever God lays on my heart. And I uh, just want to encourage you all to, uh, again, as we said last night, as we looked in last night, um, the, the differences in everyone, um, each different gift, embrace it. Embrace it with each other, and uh, I'll tell you what, um, your community um, will definitely look on with that. And that's one thing I've learned, um, and I'm sure you all have as well, is that if you want to know a church, ask a community. They can tell you better than what we can sometimes in our own churches. So just want to encourage you all in that, and uh, each of you young people, young couples, um, keep it up. Um, I have to uh, admit that as I come to a close in the, these revivals, um, I really wanted to, I guess part of me wanted to do one thing, part of me wanted to do another thing. Um, I love talking in Genesis, and we've only kind of touched a little bit here and there. But I have committed that in any meeting that I do have one subject that I have committed to talking about, and uh, for a short message this evening, 
want to look at a subject that Genesis points forward to and the whole Old Testament points forward to. And that is a simple gospel of salvation. You know, one of the things, one of the reasons that um, it's been a burden on my heart, and I want to share this, um, I was told by an individual some years ago, um, there was a young man in one of our churches that went to another church and for the first time he heard the gospel of salvation. You know, a lot of times, and we'll get into that a little bit later, a lot of times, so often, we take that for granted and we talk about things, we talk about the Christian life, which is good, but one of the things I want us to always be reminded of again and again, and it's not that I suspect that to be the case here today, but it's always good for us to not only to uh, not only hear it for the sinner, but for the saved as well, to hear what we've been saved from. If you will, turn to John 3. Uh, verse 16, a very familiar verse. I like to start off with that. Going to chapter 16 and 17. John chapter 3, I would like to for us to say that in unison. Probably most of us could say that by memory, I would hope. But um, I would like for us to, to say that together. John 3, verse 16. Let's stand and let's uh, say that together. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. You all may be seated. If you will, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And I wanted that that uh, verse there to be the basis. One of the things is, is that the beautiful thing is, is that Christ came into this world. When you think of it, the old laws, and I talked about the Jews and the old laws, those old laws have showed us right from wrong. And were the schoolmaster to Christ, but they also condemned as well. And today, we are on the other side of the cross. That, that is one song that is one of my favorites, is on the other side of the cross. Um, and we are fortunate to be on this side of the cross. Now, looking in Ephesians 2, chapter 1, and this is one of my, i tell you what, this is one of my favorite chapters. It says, And ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses of sin. And that is everybody. I've already heard some people who said, well, I don't remember when I became a Christian. I think I pretty much was a Christian all my life. Not the case, folks, because every one of us has been dead in trespasses and sin. I don't care how good you've been. I don't care how good I've been. We've all have been dead. We've all had the sin gene within us. Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is the devil, ever since we know that when he came down on earth, sin had entered into the world. And we talked about in the past, in the past several weeks, we've always talked about man just following his instincts. And the instinct is to follow Satan. It says, 
According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And by the way, you never have to teach anybody to be disobedient. We do a pretty good job ourselves. Something that comes very naturally, I don't care who you are. It's something that automatically comes again when we only follow our instincts. And then we look here in verse 3, it says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, again, following just whatever we feel is we want to go. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but it says here, but God. This is a cutoff point. It says, but God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us. I'd like to stop right there and look a little bit at mercy. Back in the old days, there was a, um, in the Napoleon army, there was a spy that was caught. And they put him in trial and they sentenced him to hang. This spy's daughter came to Napoleon and she cried to him to let her father go. And Napoleon said, justice demands execution. His daughter said, it is not for justice that I plead, but for mercy. And upon that, Napoleon freed the man. You see, if we're going to ask for justice, if we call upon God for justice thinking we deserve something, we are going to get judgment. Guaranteed. But we are called in mercy. It is only for mercy as we look at God, and that is one of the attributes of God, is a just God and a merciful God. We have one uh, God who has all the different attributes. And I tell you, we could go through all the attributes all week and not even hardly touch Him. But one of those two things that we need to understand is God, while He is a just God, all we need to do is call upon His mercy. Even when, in verse 5, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. By grace. Without grace we wouldn't have a chance. But it is a grace of God that is given to us. And it says here, For by grace ye are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, but it is what? The gift. Of God. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that you can have somebody come bring you a gift, and they can come shower you with gifts, and it does no good until you receive it. You can have Christmas time all, all season long, but those gifts will absolutely do you no good until you get a hold of them, and open them up, and use them. Salvation is the same thing. It is a gift that is not forced on you and I. It is a gift that is freely given and you and I have the choice to get a hold and take it. You know, I think sometimes a little bit of the illustration, if I can recount this right, a long time ago, there was a drawbridge operator who was... And if any of you have gone through a number of the cities, you'll 
notice that in some of these ports that there is a bridge that will open up, ships can go through, and then after a while these draw bridges will drop on down, traffic can continue over the bridge. There was a, a drawbridge operator who had one son, and he had him along with him and, and was, you know, operating through the day. And there was a while where there was no, no ships that were going through at all. And so while they were, while they were waiting, he took his son on down and was showing him the big gears and the cogs and everything, you know, how it all worked, all the mechanisms, how this bridge had worked. And about that time, he heard a whistle of a ship. He quickly ran back to the, uh, back to the operating where the, uh, control room was and yelled at his son. He said, son, let's go. As he got back to the control tower, he looked back just as he was ready to hit the switch and he seen his son not hearing him crawling on the gears. He had a decision to make. And in his mind, he was quickly thinking of the very fact that his son would be ground in those gears, and yet he's seen the thousands of people on that ship that were in danger of their life, and he had to make a decision that minute. And him realizing that there was one son that was in comparison to the several thousand people that were on that ship, he cried, God forgive, and flipped that switch. You know, it was about several minutes later as that ship went through, there was a broken-hearted father holding a dead son. Little did those people know on the ship that anything had happened. They were drinking their beers, they were smoking their cigars, while there was a father who was crying and holding his child, little did they know that he sacrificed a son for all of them. You see, it's the same thing today. There is a gift that is given for you and me. For everybody in the world that believes it or not. I don't care if it's a Jew. I don't care if it's in Africa. I don't care where it is. Everywhere in the world, there was a father who gave his son as a gift, whether they know it or not. And all we need is to take it and receive it as a gift. Going on. In verse 9 it says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. I want to stop right there. I've talked about the Jews a lot. And I want to make something very clear. We had a good conversation tonight. We talked exactly about that, and I want to make this very clear. And I, I uh, might have scared some people this morning about eschatology, and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care if you're a premillennial or a millennial, it's beside the point, okay? But I will tell you one thing, that Christ is coming back, and I don't care how He comes back. It's totally beside the point of how He comes back. But I will tell you this, that I don't care if you're a Jew, I don't care if you're a Gentile, we all have to be saved through the same blood of Jesus Christ. It takes the same thing. And I want to make that very clear, that all their works that they are doing does nothing to save them whatsoever. 
Okay? But they're the same way with us as Mennonites. I wanted to make it very clear. Well, I believe, and you all, I believe, would have caught on to this already, that the way we dress and what we do should be a product of our salvation, not our salvation. Because I tell you what, it won't get us anywhere. And so in verse 10 it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and here we go, unto good works. So what we just talk about, it's a product, the works are a product of our salvation. Not our salvation, but a product of our salvation, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We notice here that salvation is something when we are truly saved, we are truly born again, it is something that envelops not only our spiritual life, but also our physical life and our whole being. I'll tell you what, folks, we can't help but show we're saved. It's something that you can't just put, we've talked about about um, Noah and the ark. It's one of those things that is not going to be hid in a basement. It's not going to be hid in a garage. It's not going to be hid in our church. It's going to be shown wherever we go. And I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, it's nothing to be ashamed about. Now, let's go to Romans 10. Actually, I'm sorry. Let's go to Romans 6. Sorry. It says here, What shall we say then? And this is after we have been saved. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I don't know if this is happens around here anywhere, but I get frustrated with churches that want to emphasize grace, grace, grace. And I'll tell you what, grace is sufficient. Grace is there. Grace is not there to give the ability to sin, but the ability to rise above sin. Because in verse 2 it says, God forbid, how shall we then that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. One of the things I want to point out is that when repentance of sin is, in the new birth, is that we repent from sin and we repent toward Christ. This is what it is speaking about. And in verse 5 it says, For if we have planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Again and again it is showing here that salvation is not only a one-time thing and we can live however we want to, but it's showing that it is in all reality truly being born again. 
is being saved from the life of sin. Does it mean that you and I will never make mistakes, that we are living a life of perfectness? This is where we're looking at grace. Okay? This is where we're looking at the very factor I believe this is could I say part of the part of the whole thing of the Christian uh, faith in the in being born again is that as we have the spirit in our heart and in our life and as we fail we know where to go back to and the grace is given to us where to go back to and that is back to the one who has saved us <clears throat> in verse 7 it says for he that is dead is freed from sin now if we be dead with Christ we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. I'm going to stop right there. The Christian life should not be concentrated only on being dead under sin, but it needs to be concentrated on being alive under Christ. You see, the Christian life, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, the Christian life shouldn't be this sober Christian life. It needs to be a vibrant Christian life because we have been raised in the newness of life. It needs to be a life that people want to live for. Because I tell you what, any of us who have been freed from sin know very well, and I believe all of you could tell, could agree with me, that there is nothing like being freed from the bondage of sin. And that newness that we feel in Christ. The freshness that we feel in Christ. In verse 11 it says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto Christ through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only one that we can be alive to. And in verse 12 it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it. In the lust thereof, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. In other words, my wife always would tell my boys when they say, Mom, do we have to? And her reply, I've always liked, is no, you don't have to if you want to. And that is really what the Christian life is about. It's not about laws and rules and regulations, and I'm tr- I have to do this because I have to. It becomes something that we want to do. Our obedience to Christ needs to come out of a desire to obey Him. <clears throat> Tell you what, I'm going to go into Rome, back over to Romans 10. I had you turn there before. Romans chapter 10. We're going to be look, we've looked at a number of scripture, and I don't know where else we're better to look than into the scripture to really make clear the gospel of salvation, or actually anything else, um, as it is Emmanuel in 
10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is, Israel, Israel, maybe I'm going to open my mouth, but any of you think that Israel is saved? i got news for you right here. My prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Guess what? It takes the same blood as it does for you and I. It takes the exact same blood. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, which will never work. And I will tell you this, instead of just concentrating on the Jews, I will say this, is that the temptation is for all of us to get there at times. Sometimes we become guilty because I'm a little plainer than he is. That righteousness will never get us anywhere. That righteousness that we take is only of God. But have not, and have not submitted, finishing the verse, uh, verse 3, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Oh, it takes a mission to a God who is right. Going to verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's not difficult. It's not difficult. As long as we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and profess with our mouth, with the faith that we believe without a trace of a doubt, that Jesus came down and He saved us, He shed His blood for us, without a doubt, That's what it takes to be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, again it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'll tell you what, that is exciting. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So that is one of the things we as ministers are called to do is to preach the word, the gospel of salvation. It's 
16 it says, But they have not obeyed, not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. One of the things that I want to bring out is that, unfortunately, so often, religion can actually stand in the way of true Christianity. But, In the same breath, I will say true Christianity will bring, could I say, a religion. But one of the things that we must make sure is that religion, we live among a religious people. We live among people who are the descendants of the Anabaptists. And and Dennis and I had a little bit of a discussion whether Anabaptists drink or not. True Anabaptists drink or not. Well, true Christians don't. I'll tell you that. But... We live among a religious people. Oh, they dress right. They, they, they do their, all their little things right. But that religion that they have has been a stumbling block to true Christianity. Because they don't even have a clue what the gospel of salvation is. And don't ever think that you and I are always going to be above that. Because I want to make sure that we understand fully how important it is that we understand how important that salvation, the gospel of salvation, stays alive. I'm going to repeat a little bit, real quickly, of a verse that we looked into, I believe, last night. Going back to Matthew twenty-one forty-two. This is talking in the same terminology, talking about religion coming in the way. And I might be repeating myself somewhat of last night, but um, I'm going to repeat it anyhow. Uh, Matthew 21, verse 42, says, Jesus saith unto them, Did you ever hear it read in the Scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation... Who's that nation? Who is the nation? Does anybody care to say? Who is the nation? Us. Us. The church. Bringing forth the fruits thereof, and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will ground him to powder. As I said yesterday, the Israelites were building a religious wall. And it was a wall of rules and regulations. And grace, mercy, salvation did not fit that wall. But when we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, Him being our salvation, Him being our cornerstone, now we have 
grace, mercy, faith, peace, all the different attributes of the Spirit that now follow Christ as we submit to Him. And there might have to be some chips that are broken off the corner of our stone. But when submission comes, that happens. You know the beauty of the fact of Christ shed blood? I want to share something, and I've always shared something maybe a little bit scientific. And I wanted to share something with you all, and I was going to share it earlier. That is just, we talk about a God of detail. I mean, God is... The, the, the detail is is uh, sometimes just beyond comprehension. In fact, let me back up real quick. I wanted I don't want to get off sidetrack a little bit. We talked about the East last night, and I talked to Brother Justin. I was glad he brought this up because I totally forgot about it. But did you think of where the star was when Jesus came? Did you think of where that was? It wasn't in the West. It was in the East. But not only that... But did you realize that scientifically, when you look at the creation, before a child is born, did you know that the blood of the mother and the blood of the child never, ever mingle? And it's a medical issue if it ever does. And it's actually a reverse osmosis way that the child gets its nutrients. Now, why do I say that? I say it because of this. We look at Christ, whose mother is Mary, whose father is the Holy Spirit, is God. And we have now one who came on this earth, who shed pure, spotless blood, not having a single blood gene in it. We serve a wonderful God that's seen to it in that way. I will tell you this, that when it comes to salvation, it is wondrous enough to where we cannot totally explain it. And it is not totally explained scientifically, but something that you and I accept by simple faith. The faith that says, not only I believe, but I know who my Redeemer is. I think this evening we're going to give an invitation. Um, If you have a song. This evening if... You're not sure of your salvation if you have not made a commitment and the Lord has laid it on your heart. Again, it's a gift that God is not pushing on you. It's just yours to reach out and get. So we ask you if, if uh, that is your desire to stand or raise your hand until you're recognized and one of the ministry can meet with you after the service. What will that song be? 309.
you know, I don't ever want to put any pressure on anybody at all. But tonight again, I've shared this with some of you. A week ago, a young man, 17 years old, in our community, drunk, religious, faced his maker like that, crashed into a tree. Little did that young man know that he was going to meet his maker. We never know. Sing one more. each one again this evening. I think we'll close and we'll meet with the one responding afterwards. Um, I again want to express my gratitude to each one of you tonight, the encouragement we have received, and uh, I'm going to actually give the time over to one of you ministering brothers.